So as we're singing, I want to invite you to pray. I want you to invite you to ask God, what is it that I need as I come here? What are the needs that I have that, that, that I can't even recognize? I want to invite you also just to pray for the ways that you need God this morning. Someone who looked the titans of your time directly in the eye and said in 
justice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere from a prison cell in the very pit of tribulation up against an omnidirectional hydra of oppression you demonstrated a superpower greater than the avengers or x-men combined you held fast to god's promise within the darkness and allowed him to shine transforming light into ink which you would use to transcribe a call to action declaring that for those facing injustice freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor it must be demanded by the oppressed and done so openly lovingly and with a willingness to accept the penalty i never read a letter with such compassion intelligence tact displaying the heart of righteous rebellion through a non-violent act your vigor was expressed so eloquently following the first followers of christ transcending time via letter you mastered this craft preaching immortality the same way so i pray the heart of this letter finds you as an offering of thanks and falls upon ears of those who would listen landing in the heart of a people willing to learn love fight and follow You know, I think it's just important to be around folks who are unapologetic uh, and authentic 
It's like, I don't want to be around a whole bunch of people apologizing to me. I want folks, you know, with some intention, like that they meant to do what they're doing. And, you know, the, the choices reflect that. And if you're doing something that you didn't mean to do, maybe you should, you know, reflect on your processes and how you came to those decisions. Um, but yeah, like I'm a, like, yes, I, I make mistakes. Well, you know, I feel bad about them, you know, but I meant to do them, you know. Um, yeah, yes, there are coincidences that happen, but, you know, I, I made the choices and, you know, I, you know, they, I may feel bad about them and see them as missteps, but yeah, no, nah, I, I did that, you know, and I want to be around folks who say, oh yeah, I did that, you know, and it wasn't the great, you know, the greatest thing and it wasn't, you know, the worst thing, you know, and it's not the end of the world and it's not saving the world, but, you know, the, the the intention is you know in that in that forgiveness right like i'm in control of my forgiveness and you are controlling your forgiveness so if like if you hurt my feelings you know i can forgive you about it that's whether you apologize or not you know and you know if i hurt your feelings you you can forgive me whether i apologize or not and i just want to be around folks that's you know that's willing to forgive and just be straight up like you know i, I messed up <laughs> and we can you know we can move forward you know i think it's important to find find folks like that it's like you know, just they do do stuff on purpose. I think that's how you find it is, you know, doing stuff on purpose and, you know, because you meant to. We are in a time of transition. So as we transition into this calendar year, as we transition into an upcoming presidency, as we transition into just a new way of life, something we've been kind of doing for the past uh, nine plus months, we are entering also into a new series. So we spent some time uh, with the speaking team and Chris and myself, and we have this, this walking in the dark conversation series. And um, I want to recap what was brought on last week as Chris opened us up into this conversation series. But with the beauty of technology, I don't have to do it. Chris, why don't you uh, recap what you talked about? What if we changed our relationship to the darkness? What if we're seeing it all wrong, these areas of struggle? What if these are not things to avoid or to just try to sleep through? <laughs> but what if these are places that we can learn to walk with God in? considering the fact that these spaces are not void of God, but they are already filled with God. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. Broadening our relationship with the darkness, broadening our relationship with struggle. That's the focal point of what we'll be chatting through today. There is a story that uh, I enjoy fondly uh, that kind of grapples. I'll be using that word grapple and wrestle kind of interchangeably. It grapples with this idea of struggle and darkness kind of in the same story. And drumroll, it is the story of Jacob. Jacob wrestling with God in the night. If you're familiar with this story, go ahead and do a do a yep, yep in the comments. I'm just curious to see how many people kind of heard this story before. A uh, little disclaimer, I very, very, very much enjoy topics like grappling and stuff. I will limit a little bit of my enthusiasm and just kind of focus on what um, the text was sharing with me uh, this week. So without further ado, let's get into it. But before we do, just a little background. Jacob. Jacob is 
He's a brother. He was born a twin. And his brother Esau was a lot more uh, masculine in the traditional sense. And Jacob was a little more, well, I, I think I have a I think I have a picture of these two. So you got you got Esau, which is like, like I said, rough. And then you got Jacob. Jacob, Jacob was a kind of a deceiver. In fact, the name Jacob means deceiver. And I mean, what better example of Loki? Loki's the god of mischief, if you know anything about Loki. Look, just look at him. I wouldn't trust him. But nonetheless, Jacob is still a fighter, not in the traditional sense, not in the way that his brother was, but he is hardworking. He fights for the things he wants the best and only way he knows how through deceit. So to kind of catch you up, he deceives his brother. He deceives his father, um, gets the blessing, the um birthright and is fleeing for his life because Esau is ready to kill him. I mean, if Thor is ready to, I mean, Esau is ready to kill me, I would be running for my life too. So he does, he runs into this dude named Lieben and they kind of deceive each other back and forth over a span of 14 years of work, 20 years of spending time back and forth with this character. He he ends up with the situation leaving in, in good terms because of God's provision, has two wives and he is told by God to go home where his brother is waiting to kill him. So in typical Jacob fashion, he plans on using strategy to sway his brother toward reconciliation in, in his own typical way. So he has these like rows of individuals and the people that are with him as a kind of a barrier, a way to protect him. So if Esau does attack, Jacob has an escape route to peace out. Okay, so that's kind of where we are in the text. So I am going to read the text. We're going to read it in four sections, and then we'll go back and, and kind of focus on each section. So let's see. Genesis 32. As I read this together, as we read this together, got a lot of yup yups in the, in the conversation, so that's what's up. As we read this, I want you to jot down anything that stands out to you, anything that speaks to you, um, and then after we read it, we'll we'll go through it again together. Genesis 32, verses 22, starting at verse 22. It says. The same night he arose, he took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children across the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When he saw the man, excuse me, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Awesome. 
So that's where that's where we are. That's the story. Um, there's probably a bunch of questions that could come up in reading that story. There's three that I'd like to focus on this morning. The text says a man wrestled with Jacob. Who is this man that wrestled with Jacob? Second question is why wrestle with Jacob in the first place? And then the final question is why do so at night? So I'm going to pull this back up. Let's see. Let's take, let's take a look at the verse. Verse 22 and 23, it says, The same night he rose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and he sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. We know that it's nighttime. We know that he has his entire family, everything that he owns, 11 children, and he's trying to cross a river. Chances are that Jacob is most likely very tired. He's trying to travel. That takes a lot of mental energy. There's a lot of fatigue that will set in in trying to do so. And he's doing this in effort to go home where his brother is waiting to kill him. I'm assuming he's anxious at this point. If we read the second verse or the next verse, it says, and Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the break of day. Now, there are some debates that this man is an angel. Some say God. Some say it's, it's Yeshua or Jesus. But we'll come back to that question. For now, I want to focus on the significance of when this takes place. Again, it is at night and it is in the dark. Jacob is already tired and alone. Who has felt tired, alone, stressed, and anxious over this past year? These are some of the things that Jacob is wrestling with already. And ironically enough, this is the time that God figures to uh, step in and, and wrestle. <laughs> Picked a heck of a time to jump in and wrestle. And not just for like 10 minutes. It's not like, you know, I got this good CrossFit workout for about 45 minutes and I'm exhausted. Jacob's wrestling intensely for an entire night. What we see in this story, in this example, is that God chooses an interesting method, an interesting time, and an interesting location to show up. What we see throughout scripture is that God tends to use darkness to transition things from old to new. Obviously, this being an example, as we will read a little further, that God chose to wrestle Jacob at nighttime. Probably, my guess, is because he wanted Jacob when he was alone when he was uh, without distraction, without any interference, full attention on the moment. Another option that we can look at is the transition that we just celebrated, midnight. From one year to the next, from one day to the next, midnight, the middle of the night is when we see and when we calendar transition from old to new. And Jacob is finding in the middle of the night that he is being transitioned from old to new. Okay, Greg, we get the dark thing, but why the wrestling? Well, let's continue. Let's look at the next slide. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
So they're grappling, they're wrestling. It is intense. The hip is pulled out of place. Uh, why this method of communication? Why did God choose this? Wrestling is intimate. Yes, I said it. Wrestling is intimate. There is something about being in very, very close quarters where you learn about yourself. You learn what you're capable of. You're learning what your um, partner is capable of, what their character is like, what they're willing to do, what they're not willing to do. And in the same way, what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do in doing so in that type of close quarter situation, you gain a lot of trust with the person that you're stepping into this wrestling with. Hopefully you're gaining a lot of respect with this person that you're wrestling with because there is a vulnerability in being that close. There is potential for harm when you are that close. And sometimes love feels like a grappling match. Wrestling is not the example, but it is an example, a physical, tangible metaphor for what true relationship should look like. You can't, you can't fake wrestling match. If, if you and I were to get into a wrestling match and you were to pretend that you knew how to wrestle, chances are probably wouldn't go well in a very similar way. Not that I'm inviting anybody to a wrestling match, but in a very similar way, when you are in close relationship with someone, it's real. It has to be real. One of the scriptures that we often look to is Matthew 22, verse 37, where Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment of them all? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Some translations say with all your strength. Wrap that up. It's with everything you have. If we are to love God with all that we have, if we are to love others as we love ourselves with all that we have, then we better be willing to step into that close, intimate proximity, willing to grapple with God, willing to grapple with ourselves, and willing to grapple with others, metaphorically speaking. In many cases, the dark areas of our lives are the spaces that need the most wrestling. Jacob's match here with God is necessary to prepare him for his next wrestling match, which we'll see in a bit. It's the wrestling match with his identity. Let's continue. Verse 27, and we, we understand that this is, this is God wrestling with, with Jacob, so I'll, I'll, I'll use that terminology. And God said to him, what is your name? How about now? We good? You hear me? Technical difficulties. It's all right. Moving on. Verse 27. Uh, and I'm going to use the terminology God here because we understand that God is, is the one wrestling. And God said to him, what is your name? And he replied, Jacob. Now, we got to remember that this question is, is less of a what do people call you? 
in Abraham, Isaac, Jacob's time, this ancient world time, what you were named was your given identity. It was less about just a title and more about who you are. Imagine being told your whole life, if your name was Jacob, that you are a deceiver. From the time you were born, all the way through your uh, adolescence into your adulthood, everyone refers to you as a deceiver. Oak Life, what has society, what has life tried to name you? In the middle of this match, God is more than what is your name. God is saying, who are you? And it's very much a rhetorical question because God knows who he is. God and Jacob have conversations all throughout the book of the Genesis in this story of Jacob. God knows who Jacob is, but God still asks, who are you? Tired, riddled with anxiety, stress, depleted of all energy and resources, Jacob can no longer operate as a deceiver, can't fool God. So Jacob just submits what he believes is his identity, and he says, I am Jacob. In verse 28, then God said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. So Jacob has wrestled with men in the form of deceiving his brother, in the form of deceiving his father, in the form of deceiving back and forth his character named Leban. And not in a physical sense. There's no physical wrestling that, that Jacob is known for, but it's this kind of intimate closeness relationship that he has with individuals that he uses kind of underhanded tactics to do so. And it isn't until he enters into this new level, this new relationship with God, that he reaches the intimacy of a physical grappling match. And Jacob is now given the opportunity to wrestle with his own identity. It isn't until this impending dark point of facing potential death from his brother and literal darkness of night that God transitions Jacob into his new identity. Again, God tends to use darkness to transition things from old to new. Next slide. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But God said, why is it that you ask my name? And there God blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. So Jacob knew this was God the whole time. Again, kind of more rhetorical questions. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. He knows this is God. He spent time in conversation with God, but yet he still asks what God's name is. Now, God doesn't reveal his name, but I'm inclined to believe it is Jesus. Why do I say that? A couple reasons. One, this individual is referred to as a man. Now, we know that God is beyond gender. We know that. We do see God in the form in human flesh one time as a man. Jesus, New Testament, just saying. Now, why is this important? Why does it matter? Why does this have any significance if this is particularly Jesus? This part, I think, is really cool. It's that Jacob becomes Israel. Israel becomes the Israelites. Israelites are God's chosen people. Jacob represents God's people. We, on this side of eternity, this side of uh, this historical um, conversation that we're in, as we enter into this faith walk with Christ, we enter into God's chosen family. So Jacob right here is in a wrestling match with Jesus that transitions him into a new identity. It is a picture, a snapshot of what 
awaits us. As we step into this new family, we grapple and not in a very physical or violent or harming way, but in a way that is very close, very intimate. We gain trust, we gain insight, we learn that type of intimacy, that type of wrestling match that leads us into our new identity. We too will wrestle with Jesus in unlikely places. It'll probably be in dark places. We will have to give everything that we have and it will bless us in the transition from darkness into a new identity. It is through this intimacy with Jesus that we are invited to truth. So what does Jacob do with this truth, this, this new identity? Well, we see that in the aftermath. I don't have the scriptures up, but basically it's not done. He, he finishes with, with God, sun rises, hips out of place, got the limp, and he's walking and he's collecting his family, moving on to see Esau. Now he can A, stick to his original plan of having everybody kind of in tears. So like the least important people of the important people, but the front most important people at the back and him in the very, very back with an escape route. He still had that plan. So the fight was, do I stick with that plan or do I stick with this new truth that I have that I gained through this relationship, through this wrestling match? So what does he choose? He chooses to hobble himself up to the front, meeting Esau first, Esau embraces him with a hug. They chat it out. It's kind of one of those um, and, and uh, happily ever after kind of a moment. It's not actually happily ever after. But in that moment, he has a reconciled relationship with a brother he thought was going to kill him. And he has a brand new identity, which leads him to become a leader of God's people. Man, that's that's gospel right there. So. One thing I can say for sure is that in this relationship, this intimacy with Jesus, we will learn and we will grow. What I cannot say is that we are promised safe passage through the dark. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy. Even Jacob came out with a permanent limp. But Jacob, again, had a few altercations with God before his fight night that led up to his new identity. Though not as intense, he had a bit of practice. Uh, and the more you do something, the better you get at it. Funny enough, uh, Willow helped me <laughs> with a, a little nugget around that, that aspect. Um, if you're new here and checking us out for, for the first time, um, Andy, my partner, and I, we have an eight-month-old child named Willow. Willow's massive cute. But uh, this past Wednesday, Willow woke up at 3 a.m. Now, just for reference, Willow's been sleeping through the night pretty good. And I have, I'm, I'm 0 for like, I don't know, 0 for 5 in trying to get Willow to go back to sleep when Willow wakes up in the middle of the night. I kind of suck at it. But this past Wednesday was a little different. Uh, Willow's been teething. And during the day, when I was able to kind of look around and, and game plan, Willow was getting kind of fussy, so I went over to the rocking chair and just kind of held her, just kind of rocked and just hummed some, some songs. And it worked. I was like, yeah, all right, she's chilling, she's calm. So fast forward, Wednesday, or I guess now Thursday morning, 3 a.m., Willow's crying. And I'm faced with, oh, man, I really, really suck at this, but I'm awake and Andy's sleeping and I don't want to be the guy to wake her up to, to go do the thing. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go do the thing. So what's cool is that 
Our room is completely black. Andy has these blackout curtains up. It is it is dark, dark. But I have the room set up in such a way that I can traverse it based on experience. So I hop out of my bed, put my feet in slippers. Slippers are waiting for me. I get up. I walk about four paces to the left, stick my hand out, feel the wall, grab the closet door, open the closet door, put on my robe, and I'm making my way to Willow's room. I open the door. Willow's room's also dark, dark. But there's a residual light from the baby monitor. So I can see silhouettes, but that's pretty much all I can see. So I pick Willow up um, and in effort to not wake her up, not let her believe that it's daytime, I can't turn on the light. So she cannot see me. I'm trying not to make eye contact. I'm trying not to talk. I don't want her to really know it's me just yet. I just want her to be calm. So I'm trying to stand up, rock by the crib. She's pushing, she's hitting me. I'm like, oh no, this is not good. So I remember rocking chair. So I go to the rocking chair, I'm rocking back and forth. She's again pushing on my throat. She's headbutting me. Like this is a this is a grappling match. So I realize what I'm doing is not working. So I pop her hip out of the socket, just plain. I get up and I change her diaper. I figured, okay, it's let me, let me try another another approach. So I'm I'm looking down and I see a silhouette. That's it. I don't see like anything. Thankfully, I've changed enough diapers in my time with Willow that I know where the things are and I have the experience to move. I'm not even like looking down. I'm looking straight ahead and I'm, I'm doing the diaper thing and I'm, oh, it's pee pee diaper. Thank God it wasn't anything else. And I'm going and the diaper is done. And I'm like, so glad that I did this when I had all my resources, when I had the ability to see the terrain and do all these things. So I pick her up. I'm rocking her. I go back to the rocking chair and she's, she's a little tired now. She's been fighting me for a little bit. And then the, the hits slowly just turn to grabs, slowly just turn to a hold. And then she falls asleep, holding on to me. And I'm like, wow, that was crazy. It wasn't the entire night. It was about 20 minutes. But in that 20 minutes, it felt like a long time. So I pick her up, put her back down, and she's asleep. And in that moment, I realize if I hadn't done the things when I had the opportunity to do them, I would not have done well in the dark. There's three questions that we started this conversation with. First is why dark? Why wrestling? And why, why Jesus? Why is Jesus this character? Much like Jacob has been given this unhealthy identity, darkness has also been given a bad rap. Darkness in and of itself is neither good nor bad, but is only a space of transition that is in its own way highlighting aspects of our identity that the light cannot. Again, God tends to use darkness to transition things from old to new. I became the cool dad that was able to put his child to sleep. <laughs> Why wrestling? Much like darkness being a representation of uncertainty and strenuous circumstances, our willingness to embrace the uncomfortable, the struggle, the resistance, that's where true intimacy lies and the promises of growth are found. Kevin was talking about um, a hope for the new year is that we grow, that we stretch. That doesn't come without some resistance, without some struggle. Now, Jacob's match with God was physical, but, but more of a spiritual wrestling with God. God did not have to force his will. Could have popped the hip out of the socket. When I'm hanging with Willow, obviously I'm stronger than she is. 
but it's not about forcing will. It's about just being there, being close. God's promises that he is with us, even in the darkness. And the intimacy of that relationship reveals those truths, which is why, why Jesus, Jesus being the figure that wrestles with Jacob, who becomes Israel, is indicative of our invitation toward the authentic intimacy of a relationship with Christ, a relationship that carries us through darkness into a reimagined sense of identity. It's kind of like the lyrics in the opening song, set us on a rock and called us by your name, not the name that the world gave us, but by your name and made our hearts whole again. Jacob needed a new identity to have reconciliation with Esau. Earlier in the text, we, we find that Jacob is praying, God, change Esau. God, protect me from Esau. God, make it so that Esau doesn't kill me. And what does Jesus do? He says, all right, but first I'm going to wrestle with you. What areas in our life are needed of reconciliation? And are we praying for external change to happen? Or does there also need to be some internal change to go with it? If you are walking and the darkness is approaching, where can you willingly wrestle? Darkness isn't here yet. Again, our president-elect said dark times are coming. What things can we do in this moment now that will prepare us Again, darkness is not going to be easy. There's no like cheat code to like, you know, blip through it. But what are some things that we can do now as a preparatory way to enter in and to wrestle well in the dark? Now, if you're currently in a dark place, this is the time to grab on to Jesus and not let go. I, I haven't I haven't seen her in the um the chat, but Hannah, every time I talk to Hannah, it's how you doing? Oh, I'm doing well, just beating on the chest of Jesus. And that is 100% right on. It's in, it's in that intimacy that we continue to grow and we continue to get the preparation that we need. So keep holding on. Some of the ways to wrestle in the non-physical way, we have prayer. We've talked about it. We've had sermon series on prayer and, and reading scripture. These are the things that we do with all that we have, not so that we can check off some box and be like, well, I did my two prayers this morning and memorized my verse for the day, but more like the real raw, we see it in, in the book of Psalms, the crying out, the, the authentic feelings that we have, we bring those to Christ. So continue to live, continue to love, continue to fight and, and to wrestle well. When you see me holler, hello, hello, I am the gifted Fellow out of the crew, they call lyrical opposition I'm moving without precision, pivot in my position It's pivotal with the pen, I get rid of the competition Intentional, then again, accidental, the words impact the mental